at your baptism, something happened to you. God put his name on you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he says, you are mine. See, in our baptism, we're transformed. We've been united with Christ, both in his death and resurrection. We have been changed. We've been healed. God has taken our sins and he has set us free and he's given us life that is truly life. You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. So I have a question for you this morning. How many of you have owned, played with, watched movies about, or even enjoyed the Saturday morning cartoons about Transformers more than meets the eye. You know, I loved having Transformers growing up. It was awesome. It was like the best of both worlds, right? I mean, when, when I was growing up, you had like the toys, you had the cars, or you had the planes, or there were even sometimes like animals, and you could be playing with those, right? And flying the plane around and, and driving the car. And then when you got bored with the toy, now I got a robot. I got a robot toy to play with, right? And it's fully still a car or plane or animal, and it's fully a robot. Now, when I was thinking about this whole Transfiguration Sunday and the the two natures of Christ, how he's fully man and fully God, the thing that really struck me was, it's like Transformers. And I thought maybe, just maybe the inventor of Transformers was inspired by, you know, the two natures of Christ. And and so I did some research, and guess what? He wasn't. (laughs) In fact, he was a a, a survivor of the Holocaust that, uh, upon uh, inventing the toy, Transformers became a professional gambler. So I'm going to doubt that he might have been a a Christian and, and probably pretty safe bet if I was a betting man uh, to say that maybe he, he didn't uh, use the two natures of Christ as his inspiration for Transformers. Now, every illustration breaks down, so I just need to say for myself, not probably for you because it's probably assumed, but Jesus is not a Transformer, okay? But the reality is, is that here in our text, We see Jesus showing his disciples pre-resurrection that he was indeed both fully man and fully God. The, The one who came, the suffering servant who walked with us is the glorious God man, divine. Now, every text, when you read it, you need to read it in context. So what else is happening around this moment and time? And so if you brought your Bibles, which I assume you did, right, or at least an electronic device that has a Bible on it, I'm going to ask you to turn to to Mark chapter 8, the chapter preceding this chapter in chapter 9. There's also pew Bibles if you uh, wanted to grab one of those. And and I'm just going to really quickly, uh, uh, briefly go over what happened starting in verse Mark 8, 26. You see, Mark 8, 27, Jesus is hanging with his disciples, and, and they're talking, and, and he's like, you know, I know your people, you know, I know that you can hear all the latest gossip, so I got to ask, who do people say that I am? And, and, you know, the disciples said, well, you know, some, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, or, or some just say you're one of the prophets, and Jesus is like, bet, but who do you say that I am? 
And Peter looks at him and says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of God. And so then Jesus and then is, you know, begins to tell them, well, this is what's going to happen to the Messiah. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be rejected by the, the teachers of the law. He's going to be uh, persecuted. He's going to be killed, and yet he's going to rise again on the third day. And Peter, who had just said that you are the Messiah, was like, what? No way. That's not going to happen to you. And Jesus turns to him and he says, get out of my way, Satan. You aren't thinking the way God thinks, but the way that humans think. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to guess that Peter felt about this big when Jesus called him Satan. And then the final verses of chapter 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them, those who want to follow me must, must, not, uh, must say no to the things they want, pick up their cross and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who want to lose their lives for me and for the good news will save them. To put it another way, Jesus is basically saying, hey, those of you who must follow me, or those of you who want to follow me must realize it's not about you. Then we have our text for this morning. After six days, Jesus took only Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain where they could be alone. Now, this wasn't the first time that, that Jesus took just Peter, James, and John somewhere. A little bit earlier in Mark, if you grew up around church, you might have heard the story of, of Jairus and his daughter, right? The, the teacher who came and said, hey, my daughter is, is dying. There's, you know, there's no other thing that we can do. I need you to help come and heal her. And as Jesus went, when he got to the house, they were like, oh, she's dead. Um, don't even worry about bothering the teacher. And he takes Peter, James, and John into the room along with the parents and, and you know, takes her hand and, and raises her from the dead. Little girl, get up, right? And, and so it wouldn't be like, you know, the disciples wouldn't be all like, well, what about us? When he's like, hey, Peter, James, and John, come on, let's go, right? They, they would have understood. Maybe these were his, you know, his three, his inner circle. And, and as they get to the top of the mountain, our text says that Jesus' appearance changed in front of them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. In Matthew and Luke's account of this, it also points out that his face was changed. And as Matthew describes, his face shone like the sun. Now, let's stop for a moment. If you're hanging out with Jesus, you know, you're going up the mountain, and, and as you're getting to the top of the mountain, all of a sudden, right? And suddenly he's shining bright, dropping his humanity, showing all his divinity, you're not going to be like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool, right? You know, Peter and John, or Peter, James, and John were like flipping out. And not only that, but it says that Elijah and Moses appeared to them and were talking with Jesus. Now, I still wonder, even after hearing this story, I don't know how many times, and maybe Kevin has the answer to this, but how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? I mean, was Moses like standing there with the tablets like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, were they wearing name tags? I mean, how did they know? Well, what we do know is, is what they were talking about because Luke tells us that. He, Luke, in chapter 9, it says, they were discussing Jesus approaching death and what he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. Basically, they were talking about what Jesus had already talked about with his disciples six days earlier. So why Elijah and Moses? Well, if you remember from the Old Testament, Elijah, uh, he was taken up into heaven on a, a, a chariot of fire, and, and he was a prophet. 
He was known as the greatest prophet, and prophets' roles were to point people back to God. And Moses, we know that Moses, God spoke through Moses to give the people the law and the commands. So these two are representative of, of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets that all pointed to the coming Messiah, and here they were with Jesus, the Messiah. Of course, Peter sees all this. He sees Jesus standing there in his full glory. He sees Moses, and he sees Elijah, and, and, and he doesn't know what to say, so he's like, dude, this is so cool. I don't want to have to go back down there to all the stuff I have to deal with on a daily life. Can we just like pop a tent up and chill here? Is that cool? I'll even put three tents up, one for Jesus, one for Elijah, one for, I'll sleep outside. I'm good. Kind of like their own little festival of booths, right? And on top of all of that, it says that a cloud envelops them and a voice declares, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Now, little quiz. Who was in the cloud or who was the cloud? What do you think you were? God, exactly. Awesome. We, we know from the Old Testament when it talks about, you know, if you remember when God would appear and he would, you know, call Moses up to himself and he would settle, there would be a cloud that's covering. So, so essentially, God the Father is letting the disciples know that what Jesus had said six days earlier, what they confessed about him, about being the Messiah, was absolutely true. Jesus was actually the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he, as, as was stated earlier, Jesus was going to have to suffer and die. But in three days, he would rise again. So I'm sure you guys are asking the good Lutheran question, so what does this all mean? I mean, we know that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, but, but what does that mean for me, right? In my daily life, and, and I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I wonder if this is it. I mean, if all this stuff that we have to go through, this, this stuff that we endure here on earth, if this is it. I mean, because I can't speak for you, but for me, there are some days that really stink. And not only that, there are some days that I wonder if I've done enough. If, if I could have done more, I, I go to bed feeling guilty for the things I've done or the things I didn't do. And then I come to church and we confess that I, a poor, miserable sinner, and I, I can't speak for you, but sometimes that can be an all-consuming thought for me. And I hear the words, you're loved and you're forgiven, but I'm like, is that really true? And then I read the story of the Transfiguration. And I read and hear about Christ appearing in all his glory. I, I read about Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the prophet, standing there in confirmation that, yes, Christ is the Messiah. I hear God the Father speaking the words that he did back at Christ's baptism. You are my son whom I love. I am pleased with you. And yet he adds, now listen to him. And I got to think, is... is you know, like C.S. Lewis says, is Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? 
And as I see and read the story of the transfiguration, it is blatantly obvious that He is the Lord. And I realize, I realize that, that at my baptism, something happened to me. Just like it at your baptism, something happened to you. God put his name on you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he says, you are mine. See, in our baptism, we're transformed. We've been united with Christ, both in his death and resurrection. We have been changed. We've been healed. God has taken our sins and he has set us free and he's given us life that is truly life. I don't know about you, but I tend to forget that sometimes. But then I remember that I am a baptized child of God. And I read words like found in Peter Chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, where it says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins on his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. I read words in Paul's, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The, the old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. And I think, well, wait a minute. If I've been baptized into Christ, then, then I know that he died for me. That my true identity is in him. If by his wounds I am healed, then I really don't have to be burdened by all this guilt because I'm forgiven. And so are you. I don't have to wonder if I'm good enough because of his grace and his mercy. He has said, I love you, you are. Are mine, not because of anything that you or I have done, but because of who He is. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am forgiven and set free. You see, the transfiguration shows once again how gracious and giving God truly is in Christ Jesus, how He pours out blessing upon blessing because that is who He is. Now, I'm sure that when Peter, James, and John uh, started down the mountain, they were like, I can't wait to tell everybody about what we had just seen and heard. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus turns to them and says, do not tell anyone anything. And then I'm sure they're like, well, then I'm going to tell the disciples, I know something you don't know. I know something you don't know, right? But do we have to wait? I mean, do we have to wait to unburden the people we come in contact with? The people of this world who I, I, I can almost guarantee struggle with guilt and sin and shame and, and wrestling with the who am I, this I, fake identity that, that they're trusting in, that they're living in. Do we have to wait to tell them? Do, do we have to wait to let people know, people who, who we would consider outcasts, People who might be standing outside of our doors with a bottle, empty bottle of alcohol, yelling and screaming. Do we have to wait to let them know that they're loved and forgiven and no matter what they might struggle with here on earth, they are a, a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Honestly, I think it goes without saying, the, abs- the answer is absolutely not. So my prayer is this, that the God of all comfort would comfort us in our identity in him. That the God of all mercy and grace would reassure us that he has taken away our sin and the sins of the world through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. That the, the God who has transformed us through faith, that has called us his own in the waters of baptism, that has made us a new creation, that he would strengthen us in faith in him and empower us by his Holy Spirit to take the message of his transforming grace in Christ to the world. I tell you what, I can guarantee you this, with Jesus, there's more than meets the eye. Amen? Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562 210-0463. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.